Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I may sit beside you while you are reading your book? You certainly may, if you wish to. The deck is not mine, only that portion of it, I suppose, which I occupy with the steamer chair. I have no authority over any of the rest. Now, is that a refusal or an acceptance? It is, whichever you choose to think. Well, if it is a refusal, it is probably softening down the no. But if it is an acceptance, it is rather an ungracious one, it seems to me. Well, then, I shall be frank with you. I am very much interested in this book. I should a great deal rather read it than talk to you. Oh, thank you, Miss Earle. There can be no possible doubt about your meaning now. Well, I am glad of that, Mr. Morris. I am always pleased to think that I can speak in such a way as not to be misunderstood. I don't see any possible way of misunderstanding that. I wish I did. And then, after lunch, said the young lady, I think I shall finish the book before that time. If you care to sit beside me or to walk the deck with me, I shall be very glad to tell you the story. Now that is perfectly delightful, cried the young man. You throw a person down into the depths so that he will appreciate all the more being brought up into the light again. Oh, not at all. I have no such dramatic ideas in speaking frankly with you. I merely mean that this forenoon I wish to have to myself, because I am interested in my book. At the end of the forenoon I shall probably be tired of my book, and will prefer a talk with you. I don't see why you should think it odd that a person should say exactly what a person means. And then I suppose in the evening you will be tired of talking with me and will want to take up your book again. Huh? Possibly. And if you are, you won't hesitate a moment about saying so. Certainly not. Well, you are a decidedly frank young lady, Miss Earle. And, after all, I don't know but what I like that sort of thing best. I think, if all the world were honest, we would all have a better time of it here. Do you really think so? Yes, I do. You believe in honesty, then? Why, certainly. Have you seen anything in my conduct or bearing that would induce you to think that I did not believe in honesty? No, I can't say I have. Still, honesty is such a rare quality 
that a person naturally is surprised when one comes unexpectedly upon it. George Morris found the forenoon rather tedious and lonesome. He sat in the smoking-room, and once or twice he ventured near where Miss Earle sat engrossed in her book, in the hope that the volume might have been put aside for the time, and that he would have some excuse for sitting down and talking with her. Once, as he passed, she looked up with a bright smile and nodded to him. "'Nearly through?' he asked dolefully. "'Of the Siege of London?' she asked. "'Yes.' "'Oh, I am through that long ago, and have begun another story.' "'Now, that is not according to contract,' claimed Morris. "'The contract was that when you got through with the Siege of London, you were to let me talk with you, and that you were to tell me the story. That was not my interpretation of it. Our bargain, as I understood it, was that I was to have this forenoon to myself, and that I was to use the forenoon for reading. I believe my engagement with you began in the afternoon. I wish it did, said the young man, with a wistful look. You wish what? she said, glancing up at him sharply. He blushed as he bent over towards her and whispered, "'That our engagement, Miss Catherine, began in the afternoon.' The color mounted rapidly into her cheeks, and for a moment George Morris thought he had gone too far. It seemed as if a sharp reply was ready on her lips but, as on another occasion, she checked it and said nothing. Then she opened her book and began to read. He waited for a moment and said, "'Miss Earle, ha have I offended you?' "'Did you mean to give offence?' she asked. "'No, certainly I did not.' "'Then why should you think you had offended me?' "'Well, I, I don't know. I—' he stammered. Miss Earle looked at him with such clear, innocent, and unwavering eyes that the young man felt that he could neither apologize nor make an explanation. "'I am afraid,' he said, "'that I am encroaching on your time.' "'Yes, I think you are. That is, if you intend to live up to your contract and let me live up to mine. You have no idea how much more interesting this book is than you are. Why, you are not a bit flattering, Miss Earle, are you? No, I don't think I am. Do you try to be? I'm afraid that in my lifetime I have tried to be, but I assure you, Miss Earle, that I don't try to be flattering, or try to be anything but what I really am when I am in your company. To tell the truth, I am too much afraid of you. Miss Earle smiled and went on with her reading, while Morris went once more back into the smoking-room. "'Now, then,' said George Morris, when lunch was over, "'which is it to be, the luxurious languor of the steamer-chair or the energetic exercise of the deck? Take your choice.' "'Well,' answered the young lady, "'as I have been enjoying the luxurious languor all the forenoon, I prefer the energetic exercise, if it is agreeable to you, for a while, at least. It is very agreeable to me. I am all energy this afternoon. In fact, now that you have consented to allow me to talk with you, 
I feel as if I were imbued with a new life. Dear me, said she, and all because of the privilege of talking to me? All. How nice that is. You are sure that it is not the effect of the sea air. Oh, quite certain. I had the sea air this forenoon, you know. Oh, yes, I, I had forgotten that. Well, which side of the deck, then? Oh, whichever is the least popular side. I dislike a crowd. I think, Miss Earle, that we will have this side pretty much to ourselves. The madding crowd seems to have a preference for the sunny part of the ship. Now then, for the siege of London. Who besieged it? A lady. Did she succeed? She did. Well, I am very glad to hear it indeed. What was she besieging it for? For social position, I presume. Then, as we say out west, I suppose she had a pretty hard row to hoe. Yes, she had. Well, I never can get at the story by cross-questioning. Now, supposing that you tell it to me. I think that you had better take the book and read it. I am not a good storyteller. Why, I thought we Americans were considered excellent storytellers. We Americans? Oh, I remember now. You do not lay claim to being an American. You are English, I think you said. I said nothing of the kind. I merely said I lay no claims to being an American. Yes, that was it. Well, you will be pleased to know that this lady in the Siege of London was an American. You seem so anxious to establish a person's nationality that I am glad to be able to tell you at the very first that she was an American, and what is more, seemed to be a Western American. Seemed? Oh, there we get into uncertainties again. If I like to know whether persons are American or not, it naturally follows that I am anxious to know whether they were Western or Eastern Americans. Aren't you sure she was a Westerner? The story, unfortunately, leaves that a little vague, so if it displeases you, I shall be glad to stop the telling of it. Oh, oh no, don't do that. I am quite satisfied to take her as an American citizen, whether she is East or West or North or South does not make the slightest difference to me. Please go on with the story. Well, the other characters, I am happy to be able to say, are not at all indefinite in the matter of nationality. One is an Englishman. He is even more than that. He is an English nobleman. The other is an American. And then there is the English nobleman's mother, who, of course, is an Englishwoman and the American's sister